Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Chris Cast. I'm your host, Chris, and joining me once again by Zoom is Paul. Say hello, Paul. What the hell? <laughs> Paul is now re reenacting our little faux pas that we had just a moment ago as I started recording, and he just starts swearing into the mic. So we had to stop recording and record all over as we're giving away all of our business here. But, and, you know, this week I decided we're going to stay away from political news, so it's it's all fun and games tonight. We're going to keep it as lighthearted as possible. And Okay, who are we going to talk about? Oh, I got plenty to talk about, trust me. There's a lot of stories okay. going on. But, first up, because... You know, we've been talking food. I don't have any new food products, but something that I have known for like 20 years, but they've issued a new report out on it. This is from BBC.com. Plant-based diet can fight climate change. So, in other words... I'm trying to put my whole mind around that concept, and I'm like, okay... Seems, I don't, I don't get it. How does it fight climate change? Well, one, you're promoting plants. So, the well, more, you're chopping down plants and killing them. But you keep replacing them. And the more plants you have, the better the air is. Also, the process of creating vegetable-based meats and plant-based meats as opposed to the process of procuring the cow or whatever, is not as harsh on the environment. Hmm. So, I don't know about this. Oh, it's, it's, I'm telling you, this was reported 20 years ago, and they're once again jumping on it saying, this has been proven says, a major report on land use and climate change says the West's high consumption of meat and dairy produce is fueling global warming. And again, this is from BBC.com. But scientists and officials stopped short of explicitly calling on everyone to become vegan or vegetarian. They said that more people could be fed using less land if individuals cut down on eating meat. The document prepared by 107 scientists for the UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change says that if land is used more effectively, it can store more of the carbon emitted by humans. So there you go. So they're saying, they're saying that the, the animals are eating too much grass. And it says, we're not telling people to stop eating meat. In some places, people have no other choice. But it's obvious that in the West, we're eating far too much, said Professor Pete Smith, an environmental scientist from Aberdeen University, UK. So they're saying the more grass cows eat, it's less oxygen well, it's, going into the air and filtering I think, it out. I think what they're basically saying is to keep having the animals to produce the meat that the West requires, they're having to use more of the land that they can't use for vegetation. Does that make sense? Yeah, but if we don't kill the animals, the earth will be overrun with them. 
Well, see, there's there's the problem I always have with that argument. Everybody always says we have to kill the animals to keep them from overpopulating, but it's illegal to kill people, and nothing is more overpopulated in this world than people. People can animals and they can't don't. Pull it out. Animals can't in the, be in the process of pulling it out, Chris. So, so... They don't know to do that. But, by the same token, homosexuality exists in the entire animal kingdom, not just people. Yeah, but 10%. So, you still have that cutting down on population growth. Not and, very much. And... Animals don't know how to abstain. Humans can. I've seen reports in the past where they basically point out that animals judge, will judge not overproduce <laughs> themselves for the food that they don't have. So, like, they control themselves to an extent. Uh, oh, no, there's a... It's, it's a gray area for me. It's gray. But it's... Because what, yeah. what if humans did what animals did? Every time they have sex, they get someone pregnant. They don't well, know to pull out. I mean, animals the don't. So they don't get some. They don't get each other pregnant every time. What I'm saying is, you don't. You don't see what I'm saying. I is, do see what you're saying, but you're not seeing the point that people are more overpopulated than anything on this earth, and we don't advocate killing people to control the population. You see my point there. I don't know if people's overpopulated or not. We're not the most populated species on Earth. Insects are. Well, insects aren't overcrowding the Earth. And insects actually provide a function for the yeah. Earth. Um, we're destroying the Earth. We're just going to have to agree to disagree. Okay. Think of it this way. Who causes more damage to the Earth? Overpopulated animals or overpopulated people? I wouldn't say overpopulated people. I'm just saying humans, are, humans in turn do more damage. Okay, so as overpopulated a, animals species. or people? I'm not saying... I'm, I'm not saying that... It's raining really hard all of a sudden. I'm not saying that people are overpopulated. I'm just saying people damage the planet. Humans and, and animals don't. Oh, I'm just a mere. I'm just flat like, out telling you, people are overpopulated. There's nothing more overpopulated on this earth uh, than people. And I don't know about that. until COVID, I mean, our population China, kept growing continuously. I mean, if you go to Hong Kong and Beijing and places like that, yeah, it's overpopulated there. But if you go to the mountains of Mount Everest, no. If you go to the deserts, no. There's nobody there. If you go to Okay, you can't count the desert because you can't grow anything in the desert. I'm just saying, there are many places on this earth where humans aren't. But look at how we've destroyed the rainforest. That's just by humans doing that. It's not overpopulating. Well, it's because of human growth. And that's what I'm saying. Look humans, at, humans suck. Look that's at all the look that at all the trees. Look at all the trees that have been cut down around here to create shopping centers and apartments and houses. Again, that, again, that has nothing to do with overpopulating. Actually, it does. No doubt. If you don't have a need for apartments, 
we don't need more apartments. That's the thing. The last thing we need is another apartment building. Well, they build them because people will. They will. They build them because they know people will rent them. And they do. And there's not many vacancies in them. Yeah, because so, that's what they want to do. Because we're overpopulated. No, we're not. Then, then why do we have to keep building more places Chris, for people to live? Chris, I'm going to put you on pause a second. We've got to agree to disagree. We've got to roll on. So. I'm just pointing out, if you don't have an overpopulation problem, you don't need to create more places to live. Let's go. So. Next. You want to lose weight? I'm trying. Well, verywellhealth.com has published a study... Why why more sleep can help you lose weight. I've seen that before. It said, if you want to lose weight, experts say you need to get enough sleep. Specifically, researchers have reported that women who sleep five hours or less per night generally weigh more than women who sleep seven hours per night. And... This... This one's an old study. I don't have a problem sleeping because the past two nights, I, I'm, I'm lucky if I got five and a half hours of sleep each night because for some reason I've been waking up and can't fall back to sleep. So, Well, this one's an old study, but it's gained traction because in the article it says that these findings presented at the 2006 American Thoracic Society International Conference showed that women who slept five hours per night were 32% more likely to experience major weight gain, an increase of 33 pounds or more, and 15% more likely to become obese over the course of the 16-year study compared to those who slept seven hours a night. Okay, so I guess it started in 2006, and they're now finishing up the study. It was a 16-year study, but this article was updated on February 1st, 2021, and I just saw... This reported this week. So that's where I came across it. But I know the the article that I had pulled up initially said that an extra hour per night, if you sleep less than six hours and get that extra hour and put you over six hours, would help. Like I said, I I don't know what exactly. Do you sleep good? It depends. Like last night, I fell asleep sometime around four, and I was up at nine thirty. That's only five and a half hours of sleep. Yeah. So. So what do you normally average if on a normal night? I or try. You sleep? I try to give myself the chance to get eight hours. It never happens, but. Like, where I started working the 12-hour shifts, I come home, I get my stuff ready so I can be prepared for the next morning to pack all my lunch and head out the door after I get showered and everything. 
So I come home by 12.30, I'm starting to get in the bed or already in the bed, and I try to roll over by 1 o'clock to get to sleep, and then I have my alarm set for 10 minutes till 9. So I generally I get at least 7 hours, but I also have a problem of waking up a lot, so that is a drawback too because... When I wake up, I tend to lose the sleep that I gained, and I'm more tired the next day. Whereas if I just sleep straight through, I'm well rested and am good the next day. Yeah. I'd usually try to be in bed and asleep by 12 o'clock, because my alarm goes off at 10 minutes after 7. Yeah. So... But like this morning, I woke up at 20 after 5, and I, I just dozed in and out, going back and forth between asleep and awake, and I really didn't fall back to sleep. I just kind of like in limbo that whole time. Yeah. So, but anyways, yeah, i got to work on that somehow. Well, remember, try and get you at least six hours of sleep, and they said it will help you lose weight, according to that study. So... So it's an easy way to lose weight. But that's that's all I have outside of entertainment. Did you have anything you want to talk about before we get into entertainment news? or? Um, not really. Okay. Well, you remember I did the movie pass a few years back, right? Where you paid yes. like 10 bucks a month I and then got unlimited movies and they changed it to you could only see three movies a month and... Then and they, then you had to scan your receipt and things like that yeah. for it. Yeah, well, yeah. Movie Pass is coming back. And I really? I have not gotten all the details. CBSnews.com is the article I have pulled up. It talks about watching ads on your phone, but you have to allow it to monitor your eyes so it sees that you see the ad the whole time the ad's playing. Because if you look away, the ad is supposed to stop with this software. I don't get it, because if you got MoviePass, aren't you going to go to the movies and watch the movies? Well, this one is instead of allowing users to watch unlimited films for $10 a month, a business model that drew customers but failed to yield profits, the new MoviePass will offer a tiered service with movies costing, quote, credits based on their popularity and screening time. Another twist, when the service relaunches this summer, subscribers will be able to earn credits by watching ads on their phone, provided they allow the software to track their eye movements to ensure they're watching the ads. I'm on their website right now looking at this. MoviePass 2.0. Um, I mean, if, if you don't have to pay anything and you just watch ads to earn credits to watch films, fantastic idea. But if you have to pay plus watch the ads, then it's like Hulu and you're just kind of getting screwed. Yeah, I got my Netflix bill billed to my car today and I got the notification. Of, it's like nineteen ninety five. I'm going, Jesus, this went up. Yeah. Mm, I'm seriously thinking about getting rid of Netflix, even though I use it like crazy, but I don't know. Yeah. 
Uh, thankfully, I've got a friend's ad or friend's account, and I watch it that way. When because it's one of those I don't watch it enough to have it. And if I didn't well, have some stuff, I'm binging on there that I like. So well, if I didn't have his account, then I would not be paying for Netflix. Plain and simple. Now HBO Max and Disney Plus are different. I watch them regularly. And I also watch a lot of the free with ad stuff. And Hulu I use to watch like Supermarket Sweep and such. And of course Only Murders in the Building, which is currently filming season two. Which I am very anxious for because I really enjoyed season one. But... Are we talking about shows right now? Well, I'm just in entertainment news. I mean, we're just kind of moving from... Like we always do. We're talking about movie pass and going on tangent. But... The, the thing that I was saying about Hulu is, luckily, with Sprint, I get Hulu for free with my phone bill. So, I get the ad-based service. But, like, I know Peacock has a lower-charge service with ads. Hulu has a lower-charge service with ads. And I'm like, if I'm paying for it, then I shouldn't have to watch ads as well. Otherwise, it should yeah. just be free. Um, you, you're on Twitter. Did you see what Jamie Lee Curtis tweeted out today? No, because I don't follow her. Um, well, she she tweeted out a picture of her um, all beaten and bruised up for the new uh, Halloween, Halloween movie she's filming. Yeah. But, it's a pretty cool picture. And she's... um. Flipping off the camera. See how big and bruised she looks. Yep. Of course, people out there in podcast land can't see that, so they'll have to go to Twitter and see her for themselves. Just Google it, and you'll see it. But but Uh, no, that's um, what my point was with the Halloween ends. My my point with the the ads and paying for it is back to the movie pass. If you watch these ads and earn credits and don't have to pay for the service or the tickets, that is a fantastic deal. And I'd be all about it. But, I got burned with MoviePass the last time when they went belly up and didn't let anybody know the reason that nothing was working right and kept saying that the films were sold out when I knew very well they weren't. So, if they do it as totally ad-based and you earn credits to pay for movies, that is fine. Yeah. But if you have to pay for the service and watch ads to earn credits to watch these movies, then I'd just rather buy the movie ticket. Because the only reason I went to so many movies in the theater was because I had movie pass and could go in for one price for... And basically, I just watched like one movie a week with it. But it more than paid for itself with that one movie a week. And yeah. even when it... I think it went up to 20 bucks towards the end. And still, one movie a week, that's $5 a film. Well, see, so, I had that AMC Gold Pass. And I was paying, like, I forget how much money a movie, how much a month. And I could go and see how many movies I wanted a month. Yeah. So... Um, I had the AMC version of that. I think it was like $20 a month or $30 a month it was. 
and I was going to the movies once a week, watching movies, you know, back whenever that was going on. Yeah. But I don't think they have that anymore, do they? I think they do, but I think you have to re-sign for it since COVID. I'll have to check that out. But, but I mean, it's, it's a great deal and helps get people back into the theater. And, quite honestly, on on the theater's behalf, since I worked in one for so very many years, if you don't have to pay to get in, you are more likely to pay for concessions when you get in. And that's where the theater survives. So, it's all um, win-win for much, the theater. Okay, let's, let's hypothetically say um, a ticket to see Scream is... $15 to watch that movie Scream. How much money does the theater pocket of that movie? I heard that many, many different stories through the years, and I never did get an official answer from somebody. One of the things was, for the first so many weeks, you make a small percentage, and then it goes up to a higher percentage, but it's still very small, relatively. I, I heard another thing where... They had to bid on the films, which I know was not true, but they said if you bid on the film, whatever you said you could earn with the film in that theater, you still had to pay whether you made that money or not. And I know that's not true because in Hickory you have the Crown and you have the Carmike, and it was by number of screens as to what movies you got. You had the Crown, the Carmike, and the Terrace. Well, the Terrace was Carmike. And when the new Carmack got built, the car, the terrace went to a dollar fifty. So it was oh, yeah, a second run theater. So, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's anybody's guess, but box office pretty much goes to Hollywood. That is a given. So the theater has to survive on what they make on the concessions. So that's why popcorn is twenty dollars. Okay. Yep. And that's why they've come up with gimmicks like the popcorn tins and such. Trying to get people to pay for something they're not going to get any other way. And if you get that collector's tin, like one of the nurses at work got me a Wonder Woman 1984 popcorn tin. And I was like, I loved it. I I didn't even know they had them because I didn't go to the theaters. Speaking of, I found your Christmas present. Okay. I found it in Fiona, my, my, my Kia, and I forgot I had put it in there, so now it's in my SUV, so the next time I see you, I'm going to give it to you. Well, at the rate we're going at seeing each other, it'll be a while. I'll probably do this Christmas. <laughs> but, but we got to move on, because we're already 23 minutes in, so just real quick, did you see Oscars? I disagree with this. But Oscars is going to have a fan favorite film this year, where the fans vote on the film. I didn't see it, but I saw who's going to be hosting it, and I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, there's three hosts, Wanda Sykes, and I can't remember who the other two were. Yeah, um, go ahead. There's three women, but the, the problem I have with the fan favorite film is... The Oscar is not designed to go to the movie that makes the most money. 
It is designed to go to the movie with the most artistic integrity, the best story, the best acting, the best directing, all of that. And whereas Spider-Man No Way Home was a humongous blockbuster success, has passed Avatar domestically in sales, it lacks severely in best picture quality because, as we mentioned when we reviewed it, there were several plot holes in the film. And um, Regina, Regina Hall, Amy Schumer, and Wanda Sykes. Yeah, I, I love me some Wanda Sykes, let me tell you. So, but I just, I think that a fan favorite category just kind of tends to cheapen the quality of the Oscar. And I mean, not one of the greatest films that I've seen for the artistic quality, the merits in the film, the whole nine yards, was Crash. And you're not going to get a Crash every single year. That's a given. But you want to at least strive for that kind of quality in the film that wins an Oscar. Yeah. So, but as far as nominations go, GLAAD announced their nominees this year. And I, I tweeted it out, and I can't remember right offhand. I've got the whole list here. But I know that DC ended up with a lot more nominations than Marvel did. Marvel got Outstanding Film Wide Release with Eternals. Um, DC had nothing. Uh, trying Outstanding Drama Series. DC had Doom Patrol on HBO Max, and Batwoman and Supergirl on the CW, Marvel has nothing. Outstanding new TV series, Chucky got a nomination. Why the Last Man, based on a DC comic, is nominated in that category. Again, nothing from Marvel. Uh, and then I know there was the comic books, graphic novels, they both got nominated for their Pride Month special edition, and I think DC had one or two more. Outstanding comic book. For DC, you had Aquaman the Becoming, uh, Crush and Lobo, The Dreaming Waking Hours, uh, Harley Quinn the Animated Series The Eat Bang Kill Tour, and Superman, Son of Kal-El. For Marvel, you had Guardians of the Galaxy and Star Wars Dr. Aphra. So Marvel had two, DC had five in the comic book issues. For original graphic novel, you had the DC Pride Anthology from DC, you had I Am Not Starfire, or Starfire from DC. For Marvel, you had Marvel's Voices Pride Anthology. So, both still have a long way to go to great LGBT inclusion. But, as I've said multiple times, Marvel is really great with the black superheroes. However, DC excels in the LGBTQ inclusion. 
So, and these Glad Awards just kind of prove that further, because Marvel has yeah. so few nominations compared to DC. And quite honestly, Dreamer from on Supergirl was an original character on the Supergirl series who then ended up appearing in DC's Pride Anthology. But most of the content on DC TV is actually from the comic books. So Batwoman is actually a lesbian in the comics. And um, Doom Patrol did change Larry Trainer. He was not gay in the comics to my knowledge, but he is on Doom Patrol. And so far Marvel has kind of hinted at and actually stated in a few things, but DC had Arrow, The Flash, Batwoman, Supergirl, Doom Patrol, Peacemaker, and I did see James Gunn said that Peacemaker was bisexual because of John Cena. Like, that was John Cena's inclusion into the film, into the show. So... Props to John Cena there. No, nothing to say on that. The Zoom popped up something on my screen that says you're now raising your hand, and the screen did something wonky. What? And it says, "Do you want to lower your hand?" I'm going, "What?" I I don't know. I haven't learned the ins and outs of Zoom yet. I think it's so that you can actually talk, because you maybe you haven't talked for so long. Hand. Yeah, it's like, it knew that I put my hand up, it was just weird. Okay, never mind, sorry. But, I was reading what was on my screen. But since since I mentioned Peacemaker, this we're recording this on the day that the Peacemaker finale aired, which Peacemaker has been given a... Season 2 renewal, so we will get more Peacemaker. And that finale was fantastic. And there is a cameo appearance in it that was actually filmed by Marvel Studios. I'm not going to spoil it. If you want to look it up, if you have not seen Peacemaker, it is a major spoil for the finale. But Marvel Studios was instrumental in filming part of the Peacemaker finale. So, when everybody thinks there's this big war between Marvel and DC, it's the fans that feel that way, not the companies. They actually work together quite a bit. So, and, and they want the competition because it makes them strive to be better. And I always compare it because it's such an obvious comparison is if you go back to WCW and WWF before it was WWE WWF bought WCW their major competition no longer had anybody to be better than or beat in the ratings and the product quickly tanked because of it this is why you do not want Marvel to buy DC or DC to buy Marvel Comics because there will be no real competition, and the product will tank. And plus, DC couldn't afford Marvel anyways. Well, I'm just saying hypothetically on either one. You don't want either one. 
whether you're a DC fan, whether you're a Marvel fan, whether you love both, whether you hate both, it's not good for either company for the other one to buy them. Because it will, it will eliminate the competition altogether. Because there are other comic book companies, but none that can compare to the level of DC and Marvel. And that's no knock against like Dark Horse and Dynamite and Boom Studios and Miller World and all that. They just do not have the history and, and they uh, cannot compete on the level of Marvel and don't, DC. Don't forget the Greatest comic book series of all is Archie and Veronica. Yeah, I disagree, but hey, those are good. They don't compare to Wonder Woman. Oh please. Yeah, Variety had an article. I'm not going to read it. Is there's not much detail, but Blade Runner 2049 sequel series is in development at Amazon. I have not either. And I've meant to watch it many times. I have it on VHS. I have it on DVD. I've never gotten around to watching it. So I've not even watched the I've never seen. I've never seen any one of them. Uh, if I don't watch the first do one, that. I'm not watching the others. Now, isn't that with Wesley Snipes? Harrison Ford was in the original. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah. You're thinking of Blade with Wesley Snipes, which is based on a Marvel comic. Oh. Uh, He's, he's half vampire and half human. All the strengths, none of the weaknesses. And those I have seen every one, including the TV series. And moving on, Deadline has the announcement from today. Stranger Things Season 4 will be released in two parts. The first volume will be on May 27th, and the second volume will be on July 1st. That is for Season 4. Netflix also announced today that Season 5 will be the final season of Stranger Things. Yeah, I saw that. Have you watched any of the Stranger Things? I've watched all three seasons. Oh, really? I haven't seen any of them. I heard they're really good. First season is fantastic. Second season, not as good. Third season's better than the second. But I'm telling you, when I watched it What's the first the time, it? I, it's really difficult to go into without spoiling everything. All I was going to say is, other, did they have just magical powers? <laughs> I really, there's so much, because I've seen all three seasons, so I know where all the story goes. It's really hard for me to tell you what the show is about without giving away so very much. Oh, uh, no, I was just going to say, is it just a bunch of kids that discovers they have magical powers? Is that basically what it is? No. That oh, is not what okay. it is. That's fine. Okay. But there, there is some power in it. There's horror elements. But what I was going to say for the show, when I watched it the first time, I knew it was brand new. And I'm sitting there watching it thinking, these kids look really familiar. Who did they grow up to be? Because it looks so very well done like it was done in the 80s. Oh, so that's when it takes place is in the 80s? Yes, it is set in the 80s. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. It is. 
It is a fantastic series. You should definitely watch it. Okay. Also, on the cancellation front, Hulu announced Love, Victor Season 3 will premiere on June 15th. It will be eight episodes, and it will be the final season of Love, Victor. Deadline reported this week, or last week, actually, February 10th is when the article was written. End of Watch will be adapted to a television series. The movie that had Jake Gyllenhaal and Michael Pena starring in it, which I did not watch. But it was not a movie that I would have seen, and like I said, I've not watched it, so I can't say that it won't fit in a TV series, but it was not a movie that I would have seen being turned into a TV series. So, it'll be kind of interesting to see how that goes. Gizmodo has a lot of announcements from Paramount this week. So, the title of the article, Paramount just announced so much Star Trek, Transformers, and TMNT news. Then subtitled, there's also news for Sonic, Halo, A Quiet Place, Spongebob, Teen Wolf, and more. Because I know you love the Transformers, I love the Transformers, that's what I'm going to talk about. Transformers Rise of the Beasts is coming in 2023. We now know that it is the first of a trilogy. There will be a new Transformers animated series on Nickelodeon in the fall. It's called Transformers Earthspark. And a CG animated movie is also coming in 2024 for the Transformers. Cool. So, lots of Transformers coming out. The Star Trek film coming back with Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, and Zoe Saldana. Uh, the new Halo show yeah, doesn't debut that. until March 24th, but the second before. season has already been greenlit. <clears throat> A new Quiet Place movie will be released next year from director Michael Sarnowski, followed by A Quiet Place Part 3 in 2025, which... That's wrong, because it is Quiet Place Part 3. So if you're getting a new Quiet Place movie... I don't understand that. Our Quiet Place Part 2 has already happened. That's what I'm saying. If a new one's coming out next year in 2023, then it has to be Part 4 in 2025. They've apparently messed this up somewhere. Not unless they're revamping it like they did Scream. You know, they just start over with a new... Instead of calling Screen 5. That could be, because it could be focusing on somebody new. Yeah. I don't know, but it still seems stupid to do a third film and then call your next film the third film when it's the fourth one. So, we'll just have to wait and see. I never watched the show Teen Wolf, but it is coming back in a Paramount Plus series called Wolfpack. That it's actually a movie that's setting up the series. So. They got the original actors for it too, didn't they? Yes. They did. For the movie. I don't know what the series is going to be for Wolfpack. But the, the movie is bringing back the original cast. Yeah. Um, and it says, so yeah, pretty big day for Paramount News. Especially when you realize there's also South Park, Beavis and Butthead, Monster High... And Paw Patrol news too. And I didn't get into the Blues Clues movie or 
the TMNT stuff. So, the Sonic. I mean, there's there's a lot. If you want to look it up, you can see all this news. But, like I said, that article is from Gizmodo and has a lot of information for Paramount. Fox is developing a Joe Hill comic into a movie. It is called The Fireman. And I don't know if you know Joe Hill, but he is the son of Stephen King. I didn't know that. Yes. Why does he call himself Joe Hill if it's Stephen King? I honestly don't know. Or is that... I wonder if that's Stephen King's real name is Hill. Or Joe Hill could be... His alias for writing? Could be. So, in the article from Variety, it says, It's the fourth Hollywood project based on a novel by Hill, the son of Stephen King. He previously wrote Nosferatu, which is in development as an AMC series, Horns, the basis of a 2014 movie starring Daniel Radcliffe, and Heart-Shaped Box, which is in development at Langley Park Productions. So... Sounds like he's very um, successful like his father. Oh, he has been. Wow. Good for him. Yesterday came the news of a film that I'm just not sure of. It does star John Cena, and we know John Cena's had a hit and miss record at the box office with good films and bad. This one, I think, is going to be one of the bad. It is a live-action animated hybrid movie, Coyote vs. Acme. Coyote vs. what? Acme. A Looney Tunes film. Oh, yeah. That's gonna bomb. So, but like I said, that article is from Deadline if you'd like to read more about that one. I already talked about Peacemaker being renewed for a second season. Kevin Smith on his podcast this past week told some news that really made the news rounds to this week. He actually was paid to write a script for an animated Plastic Man movie that would have starred Jim Parsons as Plastic Man. Jim Parsons from The Big Bang Theory. Sheldon Cooper. Really? I don't know why this movie didn't get made. The only thing I can guess is that DC decided they needed more Batman because, you know, they don't have enough made already. So let's ignore everybody else and put more Batman out. But I'd have been down for a Plastic Man movie from Kevin Smith. I saw where Clark's 3 is coming out. Yeah, that's I believe it's finished filming. I'm not positive. But I'll be watching it because... Clerks was a great movie, but Clerks 2 was absolutely hilarious. I just saw part of Clerks 2 and the rest of what well, part of it was in the restaurant last night. <laughs> well, it's, there was a hilarious going back and forth there in the restaurant between a couple of them, and I thought I was going to die. There's... There's the reenactment of Lord of the Rings in there, which I loved. Yeah. There's that was the 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 classic line, you never go ass to mouth. So yeah, I mean there's, there's also the 
the one that they're discussing what's racism and what's not. That was horrible, but yes. And and while we're speaking of clerks too, did you see the really sad news about Rosario Dawson this week? No. She and Cory Booker have split. Um, I loved them as a couple. I love them both individually, but they were just a great couple. And I hated to see that news. Yeah. But, and my final bit of entertainment news here. Did you see what HBO Max has announced for their new DC Comics film that they're producing? It is at least not the Bat Family. And I am torn on this one, and I will explain why after I tell you what it is. It is the Wonder Twins movie. Here's why I'm torn. In other words, Wonder Twins unite. No, Wonder Twin power activate. They put their fists together. She could turn into any animal. He could turn into any form of water. They were created by Hanna-Barbera for the Super Friends cartoon. They were extremely lame and terrible characters on the Super Friends everybody made fun of. Smallville did an episode called Icon, I believe, in the ninth season in which they did the Wonder Twins. And they did them where they were worshipping the hero, basically, and wanting to be like him, but because they didn't have the knowledge and the training... They screwed up a lot. And it was a fantastic take on the Wonder Twins. So, if you have not watched it, I highly recommend watching the Wonder Twins episode of Smallville. It was called Icon. And you will see that the Wonder Twins can really be enjoyable, fun characters to watch. What are they going to go for in the Wonder Twins movie? Are they going to go for the bumbling, stupid Wonder Twins of the Super Friends cartoon? Or are they going to go with the good intention, enjoyable version from Smallville? That reminds me. Have you been seeing any of the previews for the new Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? I know it's a drama and Will Smith's producing it, but... Yeah, I watched it today, and I'm like, lame. I want it to be a comedy, not nothing serious, so this is serious. Yeah, I I knew it was being done as a drama. Which, honestly, and you know, I'm not a Will Smith fan. I can't stand him. hate his acting. I think he's the same thing, pretty much everything he does. But I will give him credit on this one. If you're going to take a show that's beloved and basically... A new classic because it is so popular then if you're going to redo it you need to respect the original and create something new so turning it into a drama gives it something new where it's not ruining your memories of the original series I can see that so like I said I'm not a Will Smith fan but I, I can give credit on that and want to touch up real quick the Bob Saget story. This is becoming yeah, I saw the, I saw the more and more odd all the time. Yeah. 
first we heard that it was COVID that he died from. Well, we found out that was not true, that it was not COVID. It was an apparent bump to the head that he didn't take seriously, went to sleep, and didn't wake up. Well, now this week, the family of Bob Saget has sued to prevent the autopsy report from coming out. And that just strings all kinds of questions out there. Yeah, why would they do that? I mean, I can understand wanting your privacy, but by the same token, you have fans that want to know the answers, and they have to realize this. So... Well, the only thing I could think of is if he died of some kind of alcohol with some kind of illicit drug, which made him but, but see, that's that was the initial report. There were no drugs on the scene, and they do not believe foul play was involved. They did not believe it was drug-induced. So, well, that's what they say they don't believe. They don't know what's going to find out in that corner's report. Well, I mean, they would have had evidence of something there, most likely. So, I'm just saying they don't want something to come out. And that just sounds like the most illicit thing to me is he had drugs in his system somehow, some way. Well, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say this happened, but a scenario could be prostitute in the hotel room, cleaned up everything, and left. Like I said, there is absolutely no evidence to even begin to support that. But if you, that's what I'm saying. Suing to keep the information from coming out leads to speculation like that. And that's why I'm saying that. Again, in no way, shape, or form do you take me to say that he had a prostitute in his room. I'm just saying that's a possibility of where minds can go because oh, they're blocking the information. Yeah, something that'll listen, yeah. So, it just, we know the story's gonna keep coming, so, I just, I, for his fans, I hope they get closure that they deserve, but, it's just, it's really odd. And with that, we have four passings to discuss this week. First up, this is from NPR. 2001 and Blade Runner visual effects wizard Douglas Trumbull has died at age 79. Said he brought to life the impossible landscapes in 2001 A Space Odyssey, Blade Runner, and Star Trek The Motion Picture. In the days before digital effects, those scenes had to be created physically, and Doug Trumbull was the kid who figured out how. First hired in his 20s to fill Space Odyssey's computer screens with images, back before most people had ever seen a computer screen, his inventive use of slit-scan shots in the finale made him Hollywood's go-to guy for sci-fi imagery. George Lucas came calling, but Trumbull had to turn down the original Star Wars because he was too busy with effects for Close Encounters. By that time, he'd also directed Silent Running, in which Bruce Dern and robots Huey, Dewey, and Louie tend to what's left of Earth's vegetation in, a, in geodisc domes in outer space. So, Wasn't Huey, Dewey, and Louie Donald Duck's nephew's name? Yes. But, I mean, this guy, 
quite an amazing career when you start looking at all of his accomplishments there. And he had the chance to work on Star Wars. And had to turn it down because he was too busy. That sucks. So, at least he got to work on Star Trek for Star Trek fans. Think of it that way. Yeah, Star Trek ain't the same level as Star Wars. Well, for some people it is, though. I'm not a Star Trek fan, but I know there are many people who prefer Star Trek to Star Wars, so just the same as there are many people who my prefer favorite, Star Wars to Star Trek. My favorite Star Trek is Star Trek The Next Generation, wherever it came on. That was my favorite. Next up, this is from the Today Show, and I know I'm going to get the name wrong, even though I looked up the pronunciation earlier. I believe they said Frank Pess. Beverly Hills Cop and Top Gun actor dies at 75 due to com- dementia complications. Said he appeared in both Beverly Hills Cop movies, Top Gun, Midnight Run, and Miami Vice. The circle of friends included Sylvester Stallone, Tony Danza, and Robert For- Forster, among others. First appeared on screen in 1976 as a guest star on Police Story. Throughout his career, he appeared on other series such as Kojak, Knight Rider, Blue Thunder, The Greatest American Hero, Matlock, Who's the Boss, and The Master. Landed small roles in Stallone films Rocky and Paradise Alley, as well as Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer's smash hits Flashdance and Top Gun. So, another very accomplished actor that we've lost. And on the music end, this is from The Hollywood Reporter, Dinah Eaton, music editor on James Bond films, dies at 70. Pioneering British the music, music editor? Yeah, the pioneering British music editor who worked on five James Bond films and movies directed by Michael Cimino, Bernardo Bertolucci, John Singleton, and Edgar Wright has died. She was 70 says it was complications from surgery at a hospital in Kingston, England. She had survived two bouts with cancer. God bless her. The Bond films she worked on were Tomorrow Never Dies, The World Is Not Enough, Die Another Day, Casino Royale, and Quantum of Solace. She did three other films with Apted Enough, Amazing Grace, and the Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Partnered with composers Maurice Jarre on Top Secret, directed by Jim Abrahams, David Zucker, and Jerry Zucker, Samino's The Sun Chaser, and Istvan Zabo's Sunshine, with Ryuchi Sakamoto on Bertolucci's The Sheltering Sky, and with Michael Kamen on Circle of Friends. She graduated to first assistant editor on Blake Edwards' Revenge of the Pink Panther before transferring to the music side of editing. On Jim Henson's The Great Muppet Caper, she assisted music editor Michael Clifford, then landed her first music editor gig under composer Trevor Jones on The Dark Crystal, co-directed by Henson and Frank Oz. So, another major talent that we've lost there. And finally, and I told Paul earlier, next week we will be doing a 
tribute to the man, Ivan Reitman, has passed away at the age of 75. It says he died peacefully in his sleep Saturday night at his home in Montecito, California, according to the Associated Press. And... I mean, Meatballs, Stripes, Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2. Uh, his son directed Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, other films he directed, Twins, Kindergarten Cop, Dave Jr., Six Days, Seven Nights. He also produced Beethoven, Old School, and Eurotrip, and many others including his son's Oscar-nominated film, film, Up in the Air. So, you can't tell me there wasn't one of Ivan Reitman's films that you truly loved, because there were many. That was a lot. Yeah. And his directing, some of the biggest comedies in history, and his producing, also landmark films. So... Like I said, next week we are going to choose films from Ivan Reitman, and we will review those in honor of him next week. And with that, we come to the end of the first half, and we will be back. We This week, Paul chose Self Made, the story of Madam C.J. Walker, wasn't it? Yeah. Starring Octavia Spencer, it was a limited series event on Netflix, four episodes, and I chose The Long Walk Home, to once again honor Black History Month. So we will be back in just a moment with those reviews. Stay tuned, everybody. Welcome back. First up, let's go with the top 10 films of the weekend as ranked by Box Office Mojo for the weekend of February 11th through the 13th. Debuting at number 10, the IMAX feature, The Beatles' Get Back, The Rooftop Concert. Brought in 488549 and has actually been out for three weeks and has brought in $930,269 to date. It's just this is the first week on the chart. Down from, or up from 10 to 9, Licorice Pizza, 12th week, just over $14,959,000. From two all the way down to eight, Moonfall is not doing well at all. Second weekend brought in just under three million for a total of fifteen and a quarter million dollars so far. In its fifth week, Scream drops from four to seven, just under three million. Five weeks of release, over seventy-three and a quarter million dollars. Down from 5 to 6 is Same 2, just over $3 million in its 8th week, $143.5 million. Debuting at number 5 is a film that they don't have a distributor listed for, that I do not know what the film is, but it is called Blacklight, and it brought in $3.5 million in its first weekend. So somebody Blacklight. knows something about it. I'm going to look that up. Yeah, I, that one I don't know. Down from three to four, the monster hit that we've discussed, Spider-Man No Way Home, ninth week, seven and a half million for a gross so far, $759,372,547. Dollars. 
debuting at number three, and I'm surprised it hit this high, Marry Me. Brought in $7,949,980, and I said this film just does not look appealing to me, and it's available as a subscription service of Peacock. So, somehow people are actually still going to theater to see it. Dropping from 1 to 2 is Jackass Forever. Second week brought in over $8 million for a total of nearly $37.5 million so far. And debuting at number 1 in its first week, just under $13 million, Wonder Woman comes back on the screen, Gal Gadot stars in Death on the Nile. It's not on IMDb, but it's Googleable as a film. It's an action mystery film. It looks like it's Liam Neeson in it. It looks like on the poster. Liam Neeson is in it. Yeah. But but again, it's not on IMDb. Well, the the poster looks like um, automatically puts you in the mind of Taken. On Box Office Mojo, it says. Travis Block is a government operative coming to terms with his shadowy past. When he discovers a plot targeting U.S. citizens, Block finds himself in the crosshairs of the FBI director he once helped protect. So, definite vibes of taken there. But it might very well be worth watching. I just, I had not heard of it before. And with that, you want to do self-made first. As you're chewing away and not answering. Crunching. I'm crunching and I had you moody muted. <laughs> okay, what did you want to do now? You want to do self-made first or you don't want to do the long walk home first? Either one of them. They're both good. No. We'll just go ahead and do self-made. It's the newer one. It is the Netflix original series, four episodes. IMDb has it 7.3 out of 10. Common Sense Media has it at 3 out of 5. Rotten Tomatoes has it 68% on the tomato meter. Audience score of 63%. Paul, you chose this one. You want to talk about it? The whole reason why I chose this one is because on the option of Netflix, you can click on says Black History Month. So this came as the number one selection for Black History Month was this this it's a it's a Netflix series, uh, four shows, and it's a <clears throat> the description says it's the inspiring story of trailblazing African American entrepreneur Madam C J Walker, who built a hair care empire that made her America's first female self made millionaire. And it's basically, it's basically shows her, ripens um, up as her being a, uh, her hair is very sparse, and she's actually seen someone to help her regrow her hair, and the woman ended up being um, really arrogant and snooty, so um, she kind of went rogue and started making her own hair care products, and uh, it's the whole, the whole story of her, um, it was, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Chris, this took 40 years after Abraham Lincoln emancipated him, right? 
That's what I understood. It was. I think it I started in 1903. Huh? I think it actually started in 1903. Yeah, that's 40 years after the emancipation. So um, there's still a lot of racism going on. Still a lot of this going on. So, well, I mean, there's uh, still. It's 160 years since, and there's still a lot of it going on. Well, yeah, true. But what I'm saying is, back then it was. It's a lot worse than what it is now. But, anyways, Octavia plays this lady who starts her hair care products, and it's actually a really cute film. Or not film, but it's a really cute series, um, and it's a very enlightening of what goes on behind the scenes. And she moves out of town to go to a more affluent city. Um, what is it, Indianapolis, Indiana? She moved to. Yeah. Because the the woman who treated her hair to get it to grow back yeah. was too much competition in the town and would not work with Madam C.J. Walker. So Yes. And then she ended up, that woman ended up leaving her town and coming to Indianapolis chasing after her. Yep. So, and it's the whole story about what went on with that. So, it's actually really good. Very entertaining. I, uh, um and very informative of what happened. So, and, um, I enjoyed it. And I don't know if you got to the final episode, and I won't give it away, but there is a discussion between Madam C.J. Walker and Addie in the last episode where they talk about how they could have been partners and all that and what prevented it and all that. And it was... You actually kind of felt sorry for both of them at that point. But... There was a lot that this woman went through, and she she ends up going to a convention trying to get Booker T. Washington to endorse her product. I mean, yep. there's so much, and the the last episode it gives details about different people, and her husband never had a picture made, so they said there were no known pictures of him. But they had pictures of some of the other characters, which were actual people, as we said. But this cast alone... I mean, first up, you got Octavia Spencer. Fantastic woman. Perfectly cast in this role. She was the embodiment of what they were trying to portray Madam C.J. Walker to be. Tiffany Haddish played her daughter... Garrett Morris was Cleophas, which I can't remember. Was he her husband's relative or was he her relative that they ended up going to I thought to it was hers, yeah. So, and He's the one that made that statement 40 years after emancipation. He's the one that made that statement. And if you don't know Garrett Morris, then you've really not paid attention in the last 50 years of television and movies. Because he was on Saturday Night Live, he did the the weekend update for The Heart of Hearing, where Chevy Chase would go, our top story tonight, and Garrett Morris would go, our top story tonight! So if, if you ever yeah. saw that one, that was Garrett Morris. He was also Sporty James on Hunter. He was in the Coneheads movie. Lots of great stuff with Garrett Morris through the years. His, um, his, um, he was the cashier on Two Broke Girls. Yeah. Which I didn't watch that series, but I mean, he's, he's he was in the Black Scorpion movies on Showtime that they ended up making a TV series out of. 
Blair Underwood plays Octavia Spencer's husband. Bill Bellamy plays Sweetness. So, lots of names that you recognize. And there's a lot of story that I don't want to give away in this. I mean, it's it's based on a true person, but it's a true person who lived over a hundred years ago. So, a lot of us don't know the story. And it's a pretty important story to tell for the simple fact that she was a black woman in the early 1900s who fought her way to be a successful businesswoman. And at, in the last episode, it says she is in the Guinness Book of World Records as the first female self-made millionaire. Now just imagine, back then she's a millionaire. Those That money today would be billions. Most likely. Now, I did think, just the trivia on the main page on this is, despite playing mother and daughter, Octavia Spencer and Tiffany Haddish are only nine years apart. And I was like, I was pretty sure that they were very close in age. I didn't think Octavia Spencer was old enough to be Tiffany Haddish's mother. The goose on the front page, Addie is loosely based on Annie Malone, herself a self-made black female millionaire. Despite the show representing her as reluctant to mass sell her product, Annie had a storefront in St. Louis and several employees long before she employed Madam C.J. Walker. So, obviously it's not 100% accurate and didn't think it would be, but it's, it's definitely a story that needs to be told. We need to see it and learn what happened. And there's a lot of history in there, even if it is embellished, it's still an important piece to watch. And in the Goofs page, it says, Madam C.J. Walker was not the first black female millionaire her boss Annie Malone depicted as Addie was. But, like I said, she was the first self-made female millionaire according to the Guinness Book of World Records. This was filmed in Canada? Wow. It's cheaper to film there. Yeah. But did you have anything? Just Like I said, there's, there's a lot of details to watch in this, but I do not want to give everything away. According to IMDb, it's a, the total runtime of the four episodes is three hours and eleven minutes. And I'm looking can, at it. Actually, won in, in 2020 a Black Reel Award for Outstanding Actor in TV in Limited Series. And it was Blair Underwood who won that. It won. Um, it won several awards that year. Wow. Duly noted. I mean, they, I mean, it just keeps on going down through there for the awards. That's a good show. Wow. And it was deserving. No. Everybody watch it. It's actually really entertaining and very informative. And like I said, it's the total runtime is 3 hours and 11 minutes according to IMDb, but it's in four different episodes that are about 46 minutes each. 
So you don't even have to watch all three hours at one time. You can watch different parts here and there. Because I watched the first episode, then a few days later watched two more, and then today I watched the final one. So... So, since it was your pick, you want to go ahead and rate it? I'm going to give it a solid three, Chris. I really enjoyed it. I would give it, I'm, you know, I would, actually I'm going to give it three and a quarter. I really enjoyed it. Like I said, automatically I'm a fan because of Octavia Spencer. Not saying that she's never going to do something bad, but how can you not love Octavia Spencer? And the story is very important. The acting is fantastic. The art direction, like the the props and the sets and the vehicles and the wardrobe, fantastic. I mean, it really did transport you to the early 1900s in the look. And so well done. I'm going to give it three and a half stars. I thought they did a really good job with it. And with that, once again, we mentioned it is a Netflix original series. So if you would like to check it out, that is the place to get it. Our next pick was The Long Walk Home. It was my choice. Voodoo has it 4.6 out of 5. Uh, IMDb has it 7.3 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter has it 88%. And audience score, 84%. This, again another important film and it is available multiple places it is free with ads on Tubi, the Roku channel, Vudu, Crackle it is available with a subscription oh it's also free with ads on Pluto TV with a subscription to Philo, Amazon Prime Fubo TV and Sling TV so multiple places you can view this. I watched it on Prime without ads. I'm not sure where you watched it, but it's many, many, many choices to watch it on. I watched it on Prime. This film takes place during the bus boycott of Montgomery that was very well known to many, many people, and it focuses on a maid who is no longer able to ride the bus because of the boycott and she still has to get to work so she walks in all kinds of weather and gets a ride when she can but rides are few and far between and it I don't want to give away a lot they do mention a very significant portion of the film dictate or depicts the, the carpool that was set up. And I'm not going to say there was another ride she got. I don't want to say that. I want it to anybody who watches it, I want them to see it in the film. But obviously, this is a work of fiction based on true story. The cast, again, Sissy Spacek, Whoopi Goldberg, Dwight Schultz, who you might have known from the A-Team. He played Howie Mad Murdoch. Ving Rhames. Erica Alexander, if you don't know the name, if you ever watched the show Living Single, she was Max on there. Dylan Baker. Lexi Randall, I know the name, but I can't place. Dan Butler was in it. And 
they show very much the attitude of the white man towards the black citizen in the 50s and 60s in this film. Again, art direction was very well done. The the sets and... Watching this, watching this made me extremely mad. And that's the thing. It makes you mad, but it's a good thing that makes you mad. Because you want yeah. to hate these people who treated the black community this bad for so long. And there's all kinds of situations that they get into. And and by get into, I mean the movie depicts, not like the community getting into trouble or anything. But they show all kinds of different points of how life was and it's just I think it was incredibly well done I don't know if it won any awards but it had to have at least been nominated it won an award the NAACP awards in 1983 outstanding lead actress in a motion picture Whoopi Goldberg and a nominee for um, human rights award in 1991. Well, and also uh, another um, Young Artist Award Best Young Actress starring in a motion picture Lexi Randall was nominated but didn't win. I don't know what the budget was but the box office it opened on Christmas Day 1990 and obviously they put it out to try and get Oscar nominations because it could not have been a wide release. $26,140 its opening weekend. It grossed just under $5 million in the U.S. and Canada. So, it did not make a major impact at the box office, but this is a film that I think people should watch, and like I said, it is fictional, but is based on true stories, it was actually filmed in Montgomery, Alabama. So, that was probably, and, you know, just uh, to throw this out there because it's recent, you know, Whoopi Goldberg did just recently get suspended from The View, which she should have for her comments, saying that the... The concentration camps were not a racist thing. And I was like, how did she not know her history on that? It's like, Hitler went after the Jews, he went after the gays, he went after the blacks. If you were not pure white, he did not want you. And by pure white, you had to be Christian, you had to be oh. white. He wanted you blonde hair and blue eyed. To see where she was coming at with that though, Chris, where she's like, it wasn't about race. She's just saying it wasn't about race. She's talking about it's, it's about because Jews are white people. So, so that's but it what wasn't, she's getting at. That's my point. It wasn't just the Jewish people. Yeah. It was Jewish. It was black. It was going gay. After, she said it just wasn't race. But anyway. Well, no, she said it wasn't about race. And that was a very incorrect statement. 
But this film, she at least gets to show the history. And you really do feel bad for her character in this movie. Because she has to be so submissive to everything she hears. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, that whenever she brought out those biscuits, those rolls, yep. for Christmas dinner, and what her what uh, that guy's mother said, I'd have cracked that damn plate right over that woman's head. Well, and she she mentioned that on the way out. Yes, she did to the other housekeeper that she was with, working with, but she did not dare say a thing inside that house, and. That was a sad thing, was they had to know their place, because it was not safe for them otherwise. And it went, it showed that she was getting blisters on her feet from the walking, and... I just wonder how far her walk was, they never did really say. No, but it was, it gave you the impression that it was completely across town, and being Montgomery, Alabama... Across town is a huge city. So. You ever been to Montgomery? No, I have not been in Alabama to my knowledge. I've been to Montgomery several times. Um, uh, how am I going to say this? It's a very different city, even today. The last time I went through there, um, was on my way to Pensacola. You got to go through Montgomery to get to Pensacola, and I stopped off the interstate there um, in town, and um, I thought I'd just drive through town a little bit to see what it was all about. And it definitely has a different vibe to it. It really does. So, if you're ever in the area, I suggest to go visit. So, anyways. Mm. I don't know that I will get there just for the simple fact there's more places I can think of. I did see this in the trivia as far as the box office. It says, in order to avoid the heavy competition of the holiday season, the film was withdrawn from distribution by Miramax following its December 1990 limited release and re-released March 22nd, 1991. And I want to see what was released in... In 1990. I don't know if I can pull it up. I'll put Christmas releases 1990. Let me say film releases and see if it changes. Well. Oh, those are between 1990 and 94. Miracle on 34th Street remake, The Santa Claus, The Nightmare Before Christmas, and Muppet Christmas Carol. Let's see if it'll put in December instead. Just because I'm really curious as to what was being released. December 1990 movies, movie phone. Let's see. Let 
a lot of these are saying January 1st, 1991. Everything's saying January 1st, 1991. Okay, here we go. Going backwards. Starting at the bottom of the page here, Cyrano de Bergerac was December 1st. Quarantine, December 4th. The Grifters, December 5th. I don't know how these movies released in all these days, but I'll just start reading some of the names. The Rookie with Clint Eastwood. Maniac Cop 2. Uh, Look Who's Talking to, Edward Scissorhands. Mermaids. There's a Mom for Christmas, and that was television. So I think it's video releases, too, which is coming up on here. Kindergarten Cop. Almost an Angel. The Russia House. The Bonfire of the Vanities. Godfather Part 3. Green Card. Cadence. Demon Cop. Terminator 2. Judgment Day was a summer film. It says the making of Terminator, so it must have been the VHS release. Howling 6, Class of Nukem High 2, Delta Force 3, uh, Sergeant Kabuki Man, NYPD. So there are definitely some well-known films in there. Like I said, I don't know exactly what these releases were, if they were home video or TV or what, because... Like I said, A Mom for Christmas was definitely a TV movie. Terminator 2 was released in the summer. But it gives you an idea of what was the competition that they pulled it from. Yeah. So. Uh, Sissy Spacek's daughter was one of the girls in the park, according to the trivia. I'm thinking it's probably the part where Whoopi Goldberg took the girls to the park and the police officer very belligerently threw her out of the park because it was oh, a white zombie park. Bad. It says this movie was made when both Dwight Schultz and Whoopi Goldberg were supporting cast on Star Trek The Next Generation. So there's another tie to Star Trek as we were talking about earlier. Oh, now, the first thing on the trivia is very significant. It says, one of the buses used in the background is the actual bus number 2857 on which Rosa Parks was arrested. The bus was in such bad shape that it had to be repainted and towed by a cable in scenes where it is moving. It has since been fully restored and is now on display at the Henry Ford Museum in Dearborn, Michigan. So. Ooh. Well, now you've got oh, an absolute reason to go. to go. And you know, it's, that's another good. As close as we live, someplace I do want to go is the the Woolworths counter in Greensboro that's been turned in into a museum. And I've never been yeah. there. We live a couple hours away, and I keep wanting to go, and I either don't have the time or forget about it when I'm there. So. 
And of course, if I would do it, I would make it an overnight trip because two hours there, spend time there, and then two hours back is not exactly what I'd want to do in a day, but could do it, but I'd rather have leisure time with it. Yeah. So, but I don't know, really know what else to talk with this film because it is fantastic, it's full of history, but I don't want to give away too much because I think people, like it's like self-made. I really think you need to watch this and remember how bad it was and then remember how far we still need to go to make things right. So That's right. Did you have anything more you wanted to add? No. Okay, well, since this was my pick, I'll go ahead and, and rate it. It was a film that I've long wanted to watch. I very much respect the actors in it. Love Sissy Spacek. Whoopi Goldberg has been fantastic in the films I've seen her in. Of course, Ving Rhames. Just fantastic talent there. Erica Alexander was... She was one of the favorites on Living Single as Max. So... The talent is phenomenal. The Again, the, the props and the wardrobe and all the art direction, really well done. Like, the house that Sissy Spacek was living in, I absolutely loved the furnishings in there. I don't know if you paid any attention to it, but they really... I mean, it was really fancy furniture because they were rich. And, and it was very period correct, too. Yeah, and... The, the fireplace in the house, I just, their house was really, really nice house. And I would have that today, the way yeah. that looked. I loved it. it. It's, it, today it would be retro, back then it was brand new. And it really works. I mean, it's, it is kind of a timeless look with a definite time period that it belongs to. So... I'm going to give it a four. I think it was really well done. The story was really good. Kept you interested throughout the film. Made you hate the right people for the right reasons. Made you feel sympathy for the right people for the right reasons. Gave you a look into history and a fictional story. So it did exactly what it intended to do. So I highly recommend watching it. And like I said, a four out of five. Yeah, it stirs emotions. And anytime it stirs emotions, that means it's doing a good job. And I'm going to agree with Chris on this, and I'm going to go with a four as well. So, so, a couple of really good ones that are excellent to watch for Black History Month. Once again, Self Made is on Netflix, original series on there. And The Long Walk Home, you have all kinds of options. Again, free with ads on Pluto, Tubi, the Roku channel, Voodoo, Crackle. And with a subscription on Sling TV, Fubo, Amazon Prime, and Philo, according to Google search. Definitely take the time to watch it. The runtime of the film itself is an hour and 38 minutes, so even if you watch it with ads, you're under two hours most likely, depending on which service you use. <clears throat> and I don't think you'll be disappointed if you watch it. So... And like I said, next week we will be reviewing Ivan Reitman films. I've already chosen mine. I chose Six Days, Seven Nights for the simple fact that I have never seen it. 
and I wanted to see if it was as bad as what I've heard all these years or if there was some merit to it. So we'll discuss that one next week. And Paul will find one and pick it and we'll review that one as well. But of course, Paul will be last minute, so we'll be scrambling to get his in. So, any final thoughts, Paul? Wear your mask, people. Get vaccinated. Well, and that's something that's starting to go away now. I don't know if you saw, but nationwide, the mask mandates are going down, and the CDC is looking at changing their recommendations for the masks. Yeah, I saw that. But <clears throat> we're not out of the woods. Don't think we are, just because the recommendations change. But the thing that I was upset was the Charlotte City Council kept saying that they had to have a seven-day stretch of 5% or less infection rate, and they have not reached that. They came close, and the infection rate went up. It has not gone back down anywhere near 5% for any amount of days. And now, next week, the mask mandate is being done away with in Charlotte. So, it sends a conflicting message. And... Yes, the science changes, and yes, the information changes along the way, but we know this virus is not going away. We know there are too many people that are arguing against it right and left and refuse to believe that it's a real disease. Of course, by the same token, people refuse to believe that Sandy Hook Elementary School was shot up and little kids were killed. Even the parent who was... Did you see what happened in the news? Yeah, the Remington settled for what was it, seventy-three million? Seventy-three million dollars to pay to the victims of Sandy Hook. It was nine families, so if you divide the seventy-three million by nine, you're getting eight million over eight million dollars per family. But they had to lose a child to get it, and which sucks. I would rather them have the child, just as I'm sure they would rather have their child than the money. But it's nice to see a gun manufacturer held accountable finally. So, and of course, the problem is, I don't know if you saw, Remington filed bankruptcy last year, and the payout's going to be through insurance. Yeah. So, Remington doesn't have any issues... They're not paying anything. It's their insurance is covering it. So, <clears throat> not enough justice. That means, but, their, that means their insurance premiums is below too. Well, they're bankrupt, so I don't know how all that's going to work either. They're probably under protection anyway. So, yep. anyways. But, but until next week, stay safe. Try and keep each other safe. Try and protect each other. Remember that COVID has not gone away. And don't listen to lies like Joe Rogan. Cannot go into enough on the idiocy there. And I don't know if we mentioned it last week. The Spotify started randomly removing his podcast episodes and no, no reason was given. But it was not the ones where he was given COVID misinformation. <clears throat> and then apparently we found out that it was from his use of the N-word so many times. 
Yeah. So, if that's where you're going to for your source of news, maybe you should reconsider it. Because that's why I always give sources when I discuss articles on here. One, to give the actual source credit. And two, so it can be verified by those who want to verify it. But with that, I think we are out of here. So until next week, goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye.